Welcome to The Expert View. I'm Siobhan Creighton and today I'm joined by Dr. Kleena Murphy. I am uh, Dr. Kleena Murphy. I'm Chair of the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists in Ireland. Um, I'm also a working obstetrician and gynaecologist based in the Coombe and in Tala Hospital. How are the maternity services holding up with, with COVID? Has it put a lot of strain on the system or how are they managing? Obviously it was a, a, a big shock to the system, uh, a new disease that we weren't familiar with um, and there was a lot of learning had to be done but in fact the maternity services have overall coped extremely well. Um, the main priority was to keep services going because obviously uh, labour delivery, antenatal care can't be stopped but at the moment what we have is clinics that are quieter with social distancing, um, bigger spread between appointments probably a nicer experience for both doctor and woman um, where there's a little bit more time um, there's there's fewer um, visitors or others around so my feedback from women is that actually it's been quite a nice time for them you know even when they're waiting for the appointment it's not very long that they're waiting and they have peace and quiet um, obviously there have been sacrifices and some of those are for women coming in to have their babies um, Dads are only coming in in most places just for the um, the births. Um, so just when women are on the labour ward or up in theatre. Um, and it has been quite sad to see dads visiting afterwards just outside the hospital and waiting for their 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 partners or their wives with, uh, with the children. So we know dads have made a, a big sacrifice um, during this time and we're very grateful for that. Um, Overall, the, you know, the women have, have really done well and put up with a lot, but uh, I, I think they also feel safe and feel looked after in the hospitals. That's the, the kind of feedback I'm getting. And, um, you know, huge thanks to everybody in the hospitals, you know, from midwifery to cleaning staff to anaesthetic staff who've put a huge amount of effort in, um, clerical staff, all of these people have taken on new jobs in order to streamline and, and put these changes in so that we can deal with routine care and, and COVID care and um, huge thanks to all. In terms of other services outside of the maternity services, uh, the gynecological issues that women have, should we be concerned and are people kind of staying away from, from dealing with issues that perhaps they should be dealing with? So there was initial pause on most routine services. So that would be routine operations, routine gynecology appointments. And what we did is we reviewed charts and rang women who were waiting for um, maybe results who didn't need to come to the hospital, deferred other appointments that, that uh, could safely be deferred. And then some women were still seen that had urgent symptoms. So it's not, it's not the case that all treatment was paused. Um, but, the, you know, the majority of, of gynae treatments were paused. In colposcopy, um, the services were cut down quite a lot, but people who required treatment were still seen and seen for treatment just with more spacing, uh, added protection. So the, the most acute phase is over now. And what we're working on is introducing back services um, safely and again with, you know, appropriate spacing and distancing. So that has meant rescheduling a lot of the operations that were deferred, um, contacting people and often in most cases doing a, a COVID 
screen swab maybe two days before the, the surgery. So these measures are in place and people are being contacted with the specific um, instructions that they require. Again, it's going to take us a little time to catch up, but um, it is important that women who have a new or worrying symptom don't feel that they can contact a hospital and make themselves known or contact their GP if they haven't made contact with the GP. So um, things that are not routine would be bleeding after the menopause. If a woman's periods have stopped and suddenly she's getting bleeding again, um, that needs to be investigated. And in many places they have had rapid access clinics, hysteroscopy clinics, and these have continued during COVID for that very reason. So there is a you know a more streamlined pathway for those women. Uh, again, you know, vague abdominal pains or bloating, loss of appetite, loss of weight, those type of things that could be ominous. Uh, it's best not to ignore those um, and, and not to be afraid of bothering your doctor or bothering the hospital. You know, and, and women often because of caring responsibilities and childcare and trying to juggle j jobs um, tend to put themselves last. And it's important not to, if there's something niggling in the back of the head, not, not to ignore it. Other symptoms we'd be concerned about would be bleeding after intercourse or in between periods. Uh, and if that's associated with pain or discharge, and this is relatively new in the last few months, that needs to be checked out. For people who had something at the beginning of March and have ignored it and it's still there, they need to you know, onto the, their GP and, and look for a referral. We are accepting referrals and we are triaging them. So um, if there's the information there, um, it won't go on the routine list, it will be prioritized. And, and doctors are very motivated to try and give the correct care at the right time. Uh, for women and conscious of you know the stress and worry that that has been around in the last while. It, with social distancing and uh, you know I suppose a bit of a backlog inevitably after the delay with some of the services is it likely that people will have to wait longer to be seen? You know gynecologists and uh, in, in conjunction with the HSE are trying to mitigate against that and and uh, certainly in the last few weeks there have been lists done so people are getting procedures and maybe they should have had them in March or the beginning of April but they're having them now. Some people who are urgent who have been seeing the last few weeks will, will be getting the procedure sooner because it warrants it clinically um, but there will be an effort to try and, and catch up and I know the HSE has, has looked for space in private hospitals to try and get extra lists done so I'm confident that you know with the right motivation uh, and the access that we will be able to to catch up um, and provide you know what people have, have missed out so we're very motivated to do, to do that the lists are not as long as they used to be and, and and that's just the way it's going to have to be from from now on because of COVID. The other area of concern is that the screening services have been paused again and um, that's obviously um, something that people may be worried about. Yeah, uh, th I mean there's been a lot of public discourse and a lot of pressure to get screening services up and running um, and I think there's maybe a little bit of a misinformation as if there's been no screening done so what, what has happened and my own area of expertise would be in cervical screening in Kalpasa what we have continued with the colposcopy clinics um, we're not seeing as many people but people who women who have had um, abnormal smears maybe from February or March 
were referred into colposcopy and their appointments would have still gone ahead. We are now seeing women who have repeat smears maybe are as part of the colposcopy service, so they're being treated at the moment. So that puts us then in a position where we won't have a backlog from the colposcopy services to deal with when full-on screening um, reopens again. And I suppose I would like to make the point that screening does not depend on one test. It's not a diagnostic test. So screening is a whole battery of, of tests from the, the smear test with the GP to follow up smears three years later or sooner depending and to referral in for biopsies for colposcopy. It's, it's, all, you know, it's a whole package. And unless you can offer all the pieces of the package, it's, it's better not to start again. And I'm confident that when, when it is restarted, we will have all bits of, uh, of the package available. And also there isn't you know, a particular time that it has, a smear has to happen. Mostly they're scheduled every three years. So if a woman is a month or two late with the smear, it generally won't make a, a, a big difference to the outcome. The important thing is the repeated smears to not losing out on a smear completely. So again, I'm confident that you know, women who have missed out on smears in March, April, May, will have those smears later on in the year and will be referred appropriately uh, if that warrants it. And we will have a better screening with the HPV smears, um, which ultimately will, will, will be of better value to, to women and reduce unnecessary um, investigations. So hope that people wouldn't, wouldn't panic and um, that we can reassure them that uh, we will be working our utmost to get things back on track. And will the, will the speed with which the introduction of HPV testing is introduced be affected by the current slowdown? Well, again, in introducing something, uh, the government have said that it, it, screening services will start up in, in September. So introduction of screening and new screening depends on a lot of elements, and that includes um, labs, it includes uh, clerical staff, etc. So I, I'm sure that all the elements will be put in place once they, once they start, um, start things again. And I suppose the, the, the message is, and I know you've said this earlier, but just to repeat it again, is if you have symptoms, go and see your doctor. Absolutely, and the, the symptoms, particularly for gynaecology, would be bleeding in the postmenopausal um, age, which is usually after the age of 50, and particularly if there hasn't been a period for you know over a year, um, that's important. A big bloating, abdominal pain, um, and again, in, in somebody of, of older age, uh, would be concerning. Bleeding in between periods um, and after intercourse could be a sign of something more significant. And again, ongoing pain, which a woman thinks is, is, is pelvic, if you like, the pain in itself is a symptom that we, do, you know, we don't want people suffering for, for a long time, that they need to come forward. And, and now is the time to come forward. That the, you know, the hospitals have been made safe. So when we are opening up elective services, it is knowing that the appointments are being spaced out the theatres are, are being appropriately managed and uh, certainly today I've had feedback from patients saying they felt very safe coming through the hospital, that they could see all the measures that were in place and, and they were you know, very grateful to have, have the procedure over and done with. So I suppose I'd like to encourage people that if they get an appointment, um, whether it's for outpatients or for theatre, that unless there's some mitigating factor that they should really try and keep the appointment. Um, we're really trying to 
catch up with with everything that's made it a bit more difficult if people are reluctant to come in for their scheduled appointments and there will be um, instructions and that given from the different hospitals as to um, what the process is which is you know a good bit different from what it would have been in say January this year. Dr. Kleena Murphy thank you for your expert view. Bye.